Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Wendy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy, well, my broken tactics guy, hmm. bless his heart, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Aloha. Uh, you have a very bad back, Nathan. <laughs> I've got a terrible body all over, to be honest, but specifically it's my back I'm struggling with. So, <laughs> we tried to record yesterday, but your your internet connection where you were was insufficient, and I was, I was in a considerable amount of pain when <laughs> we tried to record yesterday. Things have improved since then, so uh, you're getting a slightly more upbeat version of walking a bit. <laughs> yeah, yesterday was a nightmare. I, I um I was down at my parents in Somerset. They are they are now my social bubble. Um fought off my sister to to be the, the champion child and be able to actually go and see my parents, which is great. Um but the the internet connection in their village was horrific and I could hear you and Bardi, but it was very delayed and it sounded like you were through a wind tunnel or something. So <laughs> uh we decided to to give that give that a miss. Um, I mean, if anyone is listening is a physio and can help Nathan out with his back, please do get in touch because bless him. He's really suffering at the moment. Um, so that would be nice. Uh, but at least we've got Spurs back, right? <laughs> if there are any physios listening, I have some sort of muscular injury to my spine, which may or may not be connected to the patellofemoral pain syndrome in my right knee. And also I have some kind of, uh, 18 month ongoing tendinal issue in my left forearm. Sweet. Let's talk about Spurs. <laughs> Mate, you're not, you're not, you're not selling this. You're not selling this. You've made it sound like a nightmare of a case now. No one's going to take that one. Uh, no, I just mean, like, pe- I think generally physios or like, more advanced physios specialise in an area. So rather than just being like, I have a bad limb, I want it to be like, these are my specific issues in case any of those catch your attention and intrigue. <laughs> so, you know. Bless. Bless. Quick itinerary. You can be a case study for someone. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we're we going to try and get this out before the West Ham game and talk primarily about the United match. I think there's quite a bit to talk about, to be fair. It was an interesting match for a whole multitude of different reasons. Um, but let's start off with the team selection. It's normally a good place to start. Um, what did you think when you saw that team news? Uh, well, I was disappointed by, you know, the classic midfield, the Winks Sissoko. Uh, and in pr- practice, they were fine. I guess we'll come back to that. Uh, but like, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't having, I, you know, I was never going to have extremely strong feelings about the lineup because obviously we're essentially in pre-season at the moment. You mm. know, people are still mm. beating fitness. Um, so you never know who is or who isn't going to be fit. It was certainly interesting that like our three long-term injuries, Kane, uh, Berg, and Sun were all fit to start. Um, I guess that's the advantage of like being out with injuries that then you've then got that slow time to build your fitness. Um, so it was it was it was nice for me that all three of them were on the team sheet. But outside of that, it was very it was hard to have you know tactical feelings about the eleven. It was actually four because Sissoko had been out for oh, of a course. little while as well. So four four players straight back in and three of them playing the full match, which mm. was a surprise. We'll come back to that. 
Um, uh, the absence of Alderweireld was a concern straight away, but that also meant that Dyer had to drop into the backline with obviously Tanganga um, still being out, Vertonghen not being trusted. So that restricted our midfield options. We know that the Celso. So one one player we did have some intel on was the Celso, who Mourinho said had had required physio during this whole period and obviously couldn't get that. So is I don't know. He's starting from a lower level than <laughs> the other players and playing catch up now. Um, I, and I, I guess, feel for him. Sorry. <laughs> I, if I, what you should do is start a podcast and then put a call out at the beginning of this podcast for physio. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. He should. I mean, the other option was to play Ndombele in midfield or or even skip. But I see why Mourinho went with Winks and Sissoko, even though, though I really, 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 really hate that midfield. Uh, but like you said, it could have gone a lot worse than that. Um, the interesting thing about the the team shape was that we we saw the the back three when we had the ball. So Davis would tuck in and make it into a three. But when we didn't have the ball, we saw Son on the left and Bergvine on the right drop back to the extent that they were almost playing as auxiliary fullbacks slash wingbacks. That's something I don't recall having seen before. Do you, Spurs? Uh, not a Spurs, but it is a Mourinho classic. He not, right. So he used to be infamous for his use of the 6-3-1, where his, yeah. his fullbacks tuck in, played the wingers as, as wingbacks, and a three-man midfield and one up front, whereas this was more of a 4-4-2 with, um, I mean, I guess, yeah, like a, a 6-2-2 you could get towards calling it. But I don't think the wingers were that defensive now. He also um, uh, sometimes plays narrow in a midfield as well. So mm. um, that was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, that must have been a really exhausting role for, for both Son and Bergvine. They were both joining the attack as quickly as possible as well. And I thought Bergvine did that particularly effectively. He, he defended well, he helped Aurier out well, but then he got forward, as we saw with his goal. Mm. Uh, but the other, the, the sort of other part of that new tactic, if you want to call it that, was that Lamella, who was playing essentially up with Kane, was doing the majority of our hold-up play, which I found fascinating. I've not seen Lamella uh, play that effectively with his back-to-goal before. I thought he was really good at that. The passing wasn't always there, but he was showing for the ball constantly. He was one of the few players able to take it in tight spaces and actually keep hold of it. Um, and that was a, that was a promising sign, I thought. What did you think of Lamella's performance, Nate? Yeah, I was really, I was really impressed. I mean, again, if we talk about it being pre-season, it's essentially August. It's all about Miller, isn't it? Um, That's a very good point. But um, I, I think he just has like a, he has a natural um, flaw to his fitness, where he's never unfit. He's he's always like he's always going, and so I think that when the people are like beginning to warm up, he's already there, and that's just the advantage that he always has because he has this tempo to his game that that in August <laughs> traditionally is just ahead of everyone else, and then they catch up with him. But um, like he wasn't um, he wasn't hugely effective in possession. Like he he wasted possession a few times he yeah could have, uh you know he could he missed a few incisive passes but his ability to find space to get on the ball to carry it um to keep yeah keep being that out ball option and then also his defensive work i mean we know about lamella's defensive work but um we know about different lamella's defensive work in like the pochettino setup where it's about harrying the defender and everything but he was really good at like blocking off options into midfield and doing a lot of kane's leg work you know in and out of possession um he was really good for that and then obviously for that reason he he came off uh what around 60 minutes for Jedson yeah. uh to carry on doing the same kind of work and uh it was notable that we dropped off I thought once uh Lamella went off in terms of our our tempo in the middle of the pitch and when you were talking then about the fact that Lamella is up to speed quickly I wondered 
I mean, this could be wrong, but he, he's he's a very intense yeah. person, Lamella. Yes. Uh, he he asks a lot of himself and his teammates. He's really he gets really angry when he makes a mistake. He just he seems so incredibly focused, like he's just in the zone times a million before games, and then just hairs around on the pitch like a man possessed. And I wonder if sometimes he asks a bit too much of his body and ends up causing himself yeah. injuries or burnout. I, I don't know if that's um I don't know if that's a, a thing, but it certainly seems that Absolutely. way. And We've seen him, like you mentioned, start seasons really well before and then quickly either get injured or go off the boil. And I, I wonder whether there's something there where he needs to just learn to rein it in a little bit and be a bit more cautious with the way he's using his body, particularly as he gets older. But he certainly had an effective game, although, as you say, wasted a couple of opportunities to find a pass on the counter. Um, so Bergwijn we need to talk about because he scored a great goal but let's quickly talk about Son first uh, Dolphinbot said was Son just having a quiet night or do you think the formation was limiting his impact it's hard to tell it's hard to tell and, I, and it's it's too early to tell um, I mean yeah I mean, we we uh, he, we've seen Son play you know in like counter-attack in mid-block setups and, and do very well so I'm, I I, it, I wouldn't say it's that I've just been and had a look while we were talking at Eric Lamella's injury history and I, as as few as maybe one of those injuries has been muscular uh, he's had a lot of joint injuries and okay. soft uh, um, ligament tendon injuries so probably not an issue with him sort of redlining himself. I think okay. he's just sort of you know a little physically fragile in the joints, as it were, rather than. Mm. But um, mm. he certainly, I do think he fatigues himself. I do think he like yeah he need he he puts himself in a situation where he needs to come off after sixty minutes because he's done ninety minutes of work in that time. He also, I follow him on Instagram, appears to have a home gym. So I think he is just like you know while everyone else is enjoying the time off having a pizza at home, he's huh. in the home gym on the bike on the yoga mat just being intense imagine like living with Lamella and his just <laughs> constant level of, you just want to chill you want to hang out and he's like everything's competition everything's 100% flying in to, um, to dinner you know he'll, he'll watch reality TV with his girlfriend or wife but only whilst doing press ups yeah 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 and, and I mean, he it, it he makes sense a, yeah <laughs> he's he's so shredded isn't he his body is in, insane three yeah, percent body fat year round it's yeah he is ridiculous uh and the home gym kind of yeah makes makes complete sense um i'm the only thing i'd say about son's performance is i thought our best best move of the match was the one that created son's headed chance mm. i really i really like that i really like the way he timed his run to the back post and bergwijn got his head up and picked him picked him out uh and he was really unlucky actually it was, a, it was a decent effort it was probably the right height for the goalkeeper maybe he needed to loop the header a bit more or power it down but um i like the run i thought there was good intent there and hopefully there'll be more of that to come i was a little bit disappointed with son because with him having been on military service i just assumed that he'd come back and like be super fit and straight into the rhythm but I mean there was a me I was I was putting together a lot of um component parts there that that probably weren't there so <laughs> that's my own fault for getting my hopes up uh outdoor dads on from reddit I've I got no idea how I meant to say that he said could Stevie B be one of our most crucial players for us in the next five years in regards to building our squad uh he's been really impressive since he joined us hasn't he Nathan and I thought he had a great game really good game against United yeah I mean he's, he, I was really excited about his signing um because of his talent I, I wasn't excited because again like I've been saying for window after window and I'm about to say again about Ryan Razor <laughs> we're signed a winger when we've got 
calamitous Yuzhez were, but his talent is really special. Um, and it was a really good capture. And he's a, like, I thought he might take a little because he's 22. He's been playing Eredivisie football, which is often at slower tempo and much less physicality. But like physically, he stands out. He stood out in this game. Like he was strong on the ball, the way he, mm, he uses, mm. lowers his body weight and everything. Um, dynamic pushing past um, defenders and everything else. He, yeah, he's only 22. Um, and he he's already like he's already a, a top six player for sure. Um, so yeah, definitely. You know, the question is like, is he going to be crucial to our rebuild over the next five years? Sure, I think more generally, he's a really good player, and he's twenty two, and we have him. Really good player, really exciting. Uh, steps up with goals, scored against both Manchester clubs. That is no mean feat. I think he has a very high ceiling. Uh, I'm really, really, really excited to see what he can do. I like the fact that he's versatile and he can play a number of positions. I mean, mm. you could trust him in any of the three behind the striker, and you'd probably even trust yeah. him as a striker every now and again as well. That's what I really. What my favourite thing about him is that he can play left and right. Sure, a lot of players can, but he can play inside left or inside right. Uh, inside, uh, sorry, <laughs> he can play inside left or outside left, and he can play inside right and outside right. And that is such a hard thing to do to 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 have the sort of the the playmaker role with your outside foot uh, or to be the winger with your your inside foot and everything I, I really like that sort of that dynamism to his positional game yeah yeah uh you you can tell his education has been in the Netherlands because he's so neat technically mm. he kind of does everything in as few touches as necessary which means he naturally has more space to make things happen he also attacks space really well I think he could actually even play as part of a midfield three he's that good um really really excited really really excited about Bergvine and yeah I think if we can give him a run of games now then it will bode well for next season the the thing that worries me is one of Mourinho's post-match comments which I mean I think he was probably making a point about keenly feeling the absence of Lucas and having a, a yet another option taken away from him but he kind of implied that Lucas would have started and he would have had Bergvine to bring on um which to me is disappointing because I see Bergvine as already being so much more effective than Lucas <laughs> and and why would you say that when the guy has just had like a really good game and scored our goal it, it just seemed a bit concerning he was probably our um, best player yeah yeah I would agree do, do you think he would have started Lucas and not Bergvine he seems to really like Lucas I feel differently <laughs> mm, yeah and let's not shit on Lucas again because I think people no, get fed up like he's not that, done anything but... wrong for us to like yeah. dig into him but it is it is uh, it is a little strange to me how much Mourinho seems to really like Lucas when I think that there are several better players uh, competing for his, his game time yeah I mean one thing I'd say about Lucas is uh, he, his judgement is is poor on the pitch but it's even worse off the pitch look at Brazil right now um <laughs> That's a horrible thing to say. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dan Meniscus says, do you agree with Mourinho in that the tactical approach was correct for this game and that it was fatigue or lack of squad depth that ultimately let us down? Um... It's difficult because for me, there's a, like a wide, like it works in this game. I think we were unlucky to only draw. I think it specifically for the game, it was correct, partly mm. because of our opposition, partly because of our own fitness, etc., etc. But is the way we approach this game, looking at the, the, the season 
and or this sort of short pseudo season, but also the future of Tottenham, are we heading in the right direction? Yes, I think that we we did a very good job of executing the Mourinho mid block and counter game. Yes, we probably should have come away with the results. I think we could have been better on the counter. Um, I think if we were better on the counter, we'd have torn United apart. If we saw like if you look at Bergvine's goal, if we had three or four more moments like that, I think we'd really have killed United off. Um, and I don't think that it was out of reach for us to have had those. Um, but I don't know if that is if we execute that game well, if that's a fruitful approach to football long term. I totally agree. I totally agree, Nathan. Let's pr- let's probe this a bit more because what I've noticed on social media is that there are a lot of people who were very unhappy about the nature of the performance and felt that we should have attacked. Um, wh- one of the rationale for that is that we, you know, we were playing a home match. Not that that's even really a thing anymore, or certainly not for the rest of this season. Um, but I, I like what you're saying now. I, I agree that I think the approach was right for this opposition. I, and the reason I say that is United are a step ahead of us right now. That you know they've had a a period, although brief, it's certainly been longer than ours of of stability. They've also added Bruno Fernandes to their team, and kind of he's bedded in really really quickly, and is probably one of the best attacking midfielders in the Premier League already. I mean, that sounds mad to say. That no, a hundred percent. Like he might be the uh, so uh, so De Bruyne Silver. Uh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. He's he's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's crazy. Uh, Mad- Madison would be up there as well, I guess, as, a, as an alternative. But I think Fernandez just has more creativity than Madison. He's, he's ridiculously good. But not just that. You know, they've got Rashford, who's an excellent player. Martial, who hit a bit of form prior to the break. McTominay, who I really like. You're not so keen on. Hmm. And Fred, who I thought was a joke player, but is actually proving to be so um, I, very yeah. very handy now. I rated Fred and I I, I, <laughs> I had some tweets about how good he was going to be and then he was terrible for like 18 months so I'm glad that he's he's uh, he's showing his true colours now because I think he's a really really talented player and then obviously Pogba came on and I think that was rather than us losing Lamella for Jetson although maybe that you know that played some part I think the bigger change was Pogba coming on. Um, indeed indeed and, w- and what I'm trying to say here is that United are a really good team although their last few mm. years would not necessarily show that they have I think a really good team probably not a really good squad but a really good team and I think with a couple of key signings they're going to be strong next year so I don't think it's fair to sort of say that Spurs should be smashing United basically uh, particularly given that we've got all these players fresh back from long-term injuries um, so I thought the setup was the right thing I thought it was the right approach and like you I think if we'd had some fresher players it could have worked well let's talk about the reasons why it didn't work well on the counter necessary for us I think the biggest is Harry Kane it feels horrible to say that but he was really bad wasn't he he was and I tweeted as such and a lot of Spurs fans got upset with me which is always going to happen and I have to you know I know what I'm doing <laughs> when, I, when I sort of yeah. open that up um, we all want to be incredibly defensive of him and there are a million reasons to you know first game back He's been injured. Um, he looks like he might be carrying a little bit of extra weight. Um, you know, it's essentially, like we talked about earlier, it's August. Well, we know Kane's <laughs> history, his record his, uh, in August is, is weak, that kind of thing. Um, you know, all of those reasons and more. Um, but it is always... I'd, so I did a, I did a podcast with um, Football Today uh, with my friend John and we talked about Harry Kane at length and I said that 
essentially, I think we're going to learn a fair amount about Harry Kane over this um, this sort of seeing the season out thing because he's had an enforced extended break for the first time in his career. And so if the reason he's been a little slow over the last, I don't know, couple of years now is because he's needed that break, well, he's had it now. So what can he show us? Now, it's definitely too soon within a single game to say, oh, no, he, he hasn't immediately refound full match fitness. He he's not a good player anymore. <laughs> Obviously, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying... Um, I'm like on the edge of my seat waiting to see like 2017 Harry Kane again and every match that it doesn't happen I'll get more and more nervous and more and more upset. I feel exactly the same uh, I, I do feel nervous I'm not ready to kind of throw the towel in just yet because I still strongly believe there have been so many sort of mitigating factors around how what's happened with Kane uh, that, that could be non-ankle things but with each passing game where he doesn't look elite it becomes more and more of a concern and in this match he tried. I mean, he really tried. He put in a shift. He covered the most kilometres of anyone on, on our team, oh, really? over 11. Probably not a good thing, by the way. Huh. Uh, but, and he competed plenty. So he he competed in 19 duels, and his duels 1 percentage was 26.3%. Mm. He competed in 13 aerial duels, and his aerial duel 1 percentage was 23.1%. They are really poor numbers. You want Kane to be at least around the 50% mark, I would say. At least around the 40% mark. Let's give him the benefit of a doubt. Uh... He was in their centre-back's pocket. He was occupying centre-back, sure, but he wasn't doing enough, and uh, it was very concerning, and he was a big reason why we failed to take advantage of, of counter-attacks, I felt. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's worrying. I was very surprised he played the full 90 minutes, although I, I think it's good that he kind of has that sure. fit, fitness under his belt now. Um, with a player just coming back from injuries who has a record of being poor when coming back from injuries and, and sometimes suffering relapses, uh, you, d- you don't want to push it with Kane, particularly when there's another match coming up soon on, on Tuesday, which I expect he'll start again. Did you think he might get taken off after sort of 55, 60 minutes, or were you expecting him to stay on for the long haul? Um... I was a little surprised that he carried on, but it does also make sense in terms of, yeah, just getting those minutes under his belt. I don't, even though he covered the most distance, I don't think that he was being, or he, you know, certainly it appeared to be lacking <laughs> in, in a way that was detrimental to our performance, that he wasn't like hugely exerting himself. So I think it's about, yeah, just getting him those minutes at a moderate pace of his own um, to, to get him to fitness. Um, I think that that was, I think that was the, the thinking behind him playing the full 90 minutes rather than a tactical one or sort of going against a fitness one. I think it was a, a pro-fitness approach. Mm, mm. I hope that's the case, and I hope that kind of works for us over the remaining games. I, I do have concerns. I, I, I feel I feel worried for Kane. And also, so I think he grew into the game. I, I, I've read people saying the opposite, but I thought late on he, he started to move into the wide left to pick up the ball and got yes. several more touches and, and started got, got a couple of sort of sprayed passes away from that position as well. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I definitely think that we could have moved Son inside and, and given Kane a rest after 60 minutes or so. Sure. And I, I think we would have improved as a team having done that. I mean, before the game, I tweeted 
that I thought we had really good impact subs on the bench. And I was kind of expecting Mourinho to use all five subs and probably use them quite early, but that wasn't the case. And Onomar is a baller from Reddit. He says, why doesn't Jose make smart attacking changes without bringing on an attacking player? For example, yesterday he could have brought on Ndombele for Winks, which would have given us more creativity, and Sessegnon for Kane, and put Son as a lone striker and Sessegnon on the wing, so he could have had more pace in attack. When Ole Gunnar Solskjaer brought on Greenwood, he caused us problems with his runs when he had tired legs. Only using two out of five subs was very bad management. Some players looked dead towards the end. Uh, It's difficult to disagree. I mean, we had Kane, Son, Sissoko and Bergvine returning, and only Bergvine was... um, taken off right uh, as well as Lamella obviously but um that was that was surprising and and I thought Sessegnon would have been a really good choice but I also thought Ndombele kind of after after all these one-to-one training sessions I thought that this was the game where he'd come on and make a difference were you surprised that we didn't make a few more subs Nate? Uh, sort of like from a looking from the beginning of the game perspective, you think you look at the eleven, you go, okay, fair enough. People are at different levels of fitness. Uh, well, at least we'll see Ndombele off the bench because there's five subs, and uh, it was disappointing he didn't come on. But I understand within the flow of the game when it's one-one and it's tense, and and also partly he's you can tell Mourinho's like, well, if we get a goal, I can make three subs at once, and we can take like five full mm. minutes making the subs, and that kind that kind of thinking. Um. But yeah, I mean, we don't know the, we just don't know the level of fitness of these players. I really want to see Ndombele. Um, desperately, I want to see him demonstrate his fitness. Uh, and I want Sessignon to be getting minutes for us, of course. Um, and you want to see the manager take advantage of having five subs, even if that means only making four subs, you know. Um, but I, I also, I do get like sort of the context of the game and why he might have wanted to stick with what he had out there. Sure, yeah. I mean, it was more frustrating for me today watching Chelsea and seeing Lampard make changes which turned the game mm. <laughs> in their favour, taking off players who were coming back from, from lengthy um, injury layoffs. So I was kind of think, looking at that thinking... Why couldn't we have done some? Why couldn't we have done something similar? Really frustrating. I mean, it's lovely to see Lacelso. Lovely to see yes. Lacelso come on and get some minutes and look really good and involved. But like you, I was hoping to see Ndombele come on and do something similar. And we could have given him a relatively free role in terms of like defensive responsibility with the setup we had. He could have played the Lamella role. Um, instead, we brought on uh, the Portuguese Josh Anima, as I've seen him called on, <laughs> That's on Twitter. That's good. That's good. Uh, he wasn't great, was he? That's because he isn't great. Um, I like. I don't like. He's a kid, and he will go on and have a perfectly good, you know, professional career in Portugal or whatever. But like, he's such a weird, weird signing. And I get that. Like, it's a financial thing, and it's just a gap thing, and, and getting him legs, getting legs into um, the squad. But like. Uh, for that reason he's like the last player i want to see on the pitch because mm-hmm. like mm. he just he, he you know he's he's a middlingly good young player um, who isn't ours <laughs> who isn't ours will will never you know crack be a champions league level player i don't think um and i don't mean any of this is a put down that's just the reality of it and and and, and who he is so he's not someone who's going to come and again yeah it's a matter of fitness you know maybe he was the only person Person who was fit enough to come on and play 60 minutes in that yeah. demanding 10 role and all of that kind of stuff but it's like you're excited to see Ndombele you're excited to see Sessegnon you're you're excited 
to to see different shapes and different looks and different options up top and then like the 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 minutes consumer comes on and consumes some minutes for you <laughs> yeah yeah it, it wasn't thrilling watching him out there bless him he he tries he's a trier i'll give him that <laughs> and he, and he doesn't give up if things do, don't go right for him the first time he's like he'll tr- keep going at, at players and that i'm sure will have an effect at some point uh, but like you I, I don't think he's i don't think he's that great yet and i would have much preferred to have seen someone else come on <laughs> mentioned Dyer at all yet so let's talk about him I think you like me thought Dyer was having a really really good game up until the penalty yeah pretty much I mean okay that's shaped but I heard a rumor a very strong (laughs) rumor that Mourinho has been saying within the club that Dyer has been very very good Mm. in training recently Um, and so I guess I was sort of biased by that and I was look I was looking on Dyer optimistically and he wasn't putting a foot wrong and he was doing well in challenges and he was being commanding and his passing was good and he was being comfortable on the left as a right footer mm-hmm. um so i was going well you know die is having a good game die is having a good game and then pogba runs around him yeah and he was really naive with what he did I, i've seen people say it's a soft, soft penalty and sure. we got questions saying was it a penalty uh i, I, th- I thought it was what did you think I don't care. <laughs> like, sure, whatever. Either way, either way is fine. You know, if a player, you know, runs around you in the box and you touch them, sometimes that's not be even touch. Like, lean into. Sure, it's it's foolish, isn't it? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I get. I guess. I get. I just. I'm so disinterested in in discussing. You know, what constitutes as a penalty and what constitutes the dive when it comes to physical contact in the box. It's just you know. sure. No, I get that. I get that. Okay, so let's talk about this instead in relation to that instance. And it was highlighted by Sky, but I was yelling at my TV screen uh, before they mentioned it as well because it wound me up. If we'd had a defensively capable number six on the pitch, Dyer would not have been isolated in the way that he was. Harry Winks was watching it unfold, and Harry Winks is not a naturally defensive player. It's not in his instincts to position himself to snuff out danger. And it's an area of his game that Mourinho is apparently working on, his defensive instincts. But he needed to be there closer to Dyer doubling up and stopping Pogba having so much room to work. And I think had he been, we wouldn't have been in that position. Uh, what do you think to that? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have, I, I don't know uh, the exact issues that led to the moment. I'd have to rewatch it. I can happily take your word for it that that, that Winks missed it. Um, I thought generally throughout the game that Winks and Sissoko were both doing a good defensive work. You, you could tell that the medium block had been drilled. When do the central midfielders step up to support the, the pressure of the forwards? When do they drop the passes to United's forwards in behind them? I, when do they track runners going wide? It's all that kind of stuff. I thought both of them looks really strong in those departments but it, if you don't have someone who one has been doing that the majority of their career and is a standout defensively and two is also um extremely athletically talented which okay Sissoko is but he you know doesn't have the reading of the game that mm. you're looking for there then those those issues you know you can coach and coach and you can be Jose Mourinho you know a legendary defensive coach and those mistakes are still going to crop up eventually absolutely Absolutely, and and you're right. I thought Winks had a a, a decent game overall, um, particularly in the first half. I thought he was really calm in possession, and most of our good moves started with Winks. He played some really nice passes, uh, which were not easy to play. 
Sissoko, I thought, had a very quiet first half, which I guess you'd expect with a player returning from injury. I... But typically, typically like um, as Sissoko always does, he stayed in the game uh, until the very end, and he made some absolutely crucial interceptions in the last 20 minutes. I don't know where he got the energy from, but he dug deep and, and found it, and he was really, really good in the last 20 minutes, I thought. And they, they both came out of the game with nine possession gains, so they were doing something right in the midfield area, which is mm. which is really helpful. I kind of I want Sissoko to have a quiet game, um, which is kind kind of a disrespectful thing to say but you know what I mean like I want him to like yeah. offload the ball quickly not be involved in counter-attacks um yeah, yeah. and 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 like yeah do the running in midfield but while being on the ball as little as possible so a quiet game from that, is, that is what happened one. I mean that yeah. he, he made about about half of the number of passes of winks he barely got on the ball to Soko um there's very little of him kind yeah. of job done. Away, which is kind of what you'd expect right he, winks <laughs> is there to pass the ball and keep it and maintain possession and find passes to Soko is there to cause havoc and try and win the ball back. 100%, yeah. No, in which case, you know, he's definitely fulfilled his role there, hasn't he? Yeah, it's still a horrible combination. Though. Oh, yeah, no. Well, the, the, okay, the the biggest, pro- the Winks is like a thing is something that predates the current manager, and it goes yeah. back to having a manager who wants to control the game, whose entire model of play is built on control, and Winks and Sissoko being a terrible pair for fulfilling that task. We never tried, or we spent very, very little time even attempting con- to control this game, and so for that purpose, Winks and Sissoko are still not an amazing pair of footballers but less ill-suited to the task and better trained in the specific role of being a medium block counter midfield pair and probably both better in transition than any other part of the game so quite well suited to counter-attacking i guess there you go um that might be different against west ham and we might need to change that midfield combination (laughs) oh 100 Uh, percent before we move on to talking about West Ham, though, a question from Bork Bork from Reddit once again. He said, uh, what did you make of Aurier's performance? Always an extra inch favourite. Uh, he didn't give up any penalties or any red cards. Um, he didn't get blown up for any foul throws. Um, he was wasteful in attack a handful of times. For me, that's you know that's a middle of the road Aurier performance. I think has he come under a bit of flack for that game? He has. I I didn't think he was good. Okay. Uh, one one thing I would say in defence of him though is he was absolutely gassed after about fifty five minutes. He had had it completely. He needed to come off. Um, oh, he but... he made a mistake in the lead up to the sort of the non penalty. The he second... did. He did. He did. And also, I think the chance that Larry saved. I tell you what, though, uh, his hair looking looking fresh as hell, my man. The zigzag thing. Yeah, that's that's not something that's been that was not something that's been done several weeks ago, is it? Mm, mm. <laughs> I mean, notable across the Premier League. Basically. Yeah, that's true. L- lots that's of true. Premier League footballers have been seeing barbers. That's for sure. Um, yeah, Aurier wasn't great, basically. Uh, Bork Bork also says, "What is our best centre back pairing? Do, do you think there's?" Any any way that the best centre back pairing currently isn't Alderweireld and Sanchez? Uh, yeah, I mean, if if Dyer has sort of like made some progressions in his centre back game over the sort of the training period, the off period, um, I can you know it's definitely possible for him to um, overtake Sanchez, who we, again we have to remember is still a, a young developing centre half with technical shortcomings in possession at least. Hmm. It's definitely said, it's uh... definitely Alderweireld and <laughs> like we know yeah, that much yeah um yeah and i assume it was fitness that he that meant he couldn't start rather than the lack of pace Surely. that Mourinho perhaps hinted at i said to my dad five minutes before the, the united penalty you know what maybe dyer can save us a fortune <laughs> <laughs> and i was made to look stupid but i mean 
he has got a lot of attributes that you would like in a in a centre back. He's incredibly um, strong in the air. Mm. He won all of his aerial challenges in this match. Yeah. He kept Martial very quiet. Martial had pretty much just as bad a game as Harry Kane, to be honest. Um, sure. He's quite quick across the ground. He's not not quick on the turn, but at covering ground, he's he's quite quick. He can bring the ball out from the back. He's comfortable in playing in midfield, so we know that he's fine at having touches. Um, so there's something there to work with, and and maybe Mourinho will try to do that over the summer period and um, convert Dyer fully into a centre-back and not look to offload him. It occurs to me that I'm feeling much, much more positive about Eric Dyer since he climbed up some chairs in the crowds to fight someone who was dying <laughs> on his brother. That's like <laughs> He's really undone for me a lot of the damage he'd done with his performances over the last two years by trying to fight a Spurs fan. <laughs> That is mad, isn't it? He's become a <laughs> hero again. Yeah, no, I, that I really warmed him after that too. I have to say. Um, so what changes are we expecting for the West Ham game? I mean, my my post match tweet about Ndombele was if he doesn't start that game, I'll be pretty cheesed off. I, I, like, it, there must be a reason why he didn't get some minutes in the United game, and I'm hoping it's that he's going to play the full ninety or as close to it as possible against West Ham. I think if someone was going to be playing a full ninety, they would also be playing like ten minutes in the previous game um so i wouldn't be surprised if he does i'd be upset if he doesn't get any minutes against west ham um but i i i wouldn't sort of expect him to start i wouldn't latch on to that um I don't know, again it's it's really it's it will remain hard for the next three four weeks to have any idea who is close to match fit and who is way off and who can play 90 minutes jogging around without touching the ball in the style of harry kane um I mean, you can only really do that if you're playing up front, to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I've got, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there were loads and loads of changes, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same 11 again, because it's, there's just no way of knowing. Uh, you know, tactically, like we said, that would be a, a poor fit. Um, but we just don't know who is ready to play and who isn't. Mm. Yeah, so this game, um, we'll expect to have a lot more of the ball. So we would expect another possession player in there, perhaps. We'd expect a bit more expression from the team. And so Lacelso is the obvious candidate to start if yes. he's fit enough. If Lucas is back, does he come straight back in? It, it would seem really, really uh, harsh to drop Bergwijn after such a strong performance and a goal, of course. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued to see what he does. Sessignon would be an obvious candidate to freshen it up a bit, but then he likes this kind of back three and Sessignon certainly couldn't play that role. Uh, he would be the more attacking uh, yeah. fullback and Aurier, you can't imagine dropping in to make up a back three if they were to do it in the other way. So uh, yeah, I, I suspect the, the back four, except from potentially Alderweireld coming back in if he's fit enough, I suspect it will remain unchanged there. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, and I'd like to see Ndombele come in for Sissoko. And I'd like to see Lacelso come in for Lamella, uh, but switch those round. So I'd have like a midfield three basically with Ndombele just ahead of Winks and Lacelso. But I don't, I can't see him dropping Sissoko. I think he likes him. I yeah, we'll certainly see. think we'll he see. likes his fitness. Right again, like we were saying before, Lamella just a, a just you know ridiculous in in that regard. Sissoko is so. Mm. So on to more important issues, Nathan. Are you are you crowd sound or no crowd sound? Definitely, definitely no crowd. Sound. Um, and why is that? Uh, 
Okay, two reasons. One, like it's not that it's bad; it's that it's good, and I find that very uh, uncanny valley. Like specifically, yes. like, like it's good, and you forget that there isn't a crowd in the stadium, and then like one of the home team players gets like horrifically fouled, and the crowds <laughs> continue with a steady murmur, and you're like, "What the hell?" Oh yeah, no, there's it's a fake crowd, and I find that I find that very disconcerting, and like um, you know, it obviously it makes you extremely paranoid about post crowd football long term and all that kind of nonsense um but also because i'm a nerd and i want to hear what the players and the staff are shouting to each other more clearly as sort of the payoff of, as the compromises i want to hear yeah clearly what people are saying to each other in terms of instructions and comments and stuff so i want to hear that judging by the amount of times sky sports commentators are having to apologize for bad language i would say yeah. that um you shouldn't expect too much <laughs> from from over here in the comments shouted but i agree I, I find it quite interesting uh it's interesting in some way just to find out who the most vocal players on the pitch are there's yep. something in that and uh, Lloris certainly seems to be ours so well he far. always has been like that yeah. that's that's a pre no crowds like he, he's he's got he's got a yell on him hasn't he he certainly has he certainly has yeah i agree i agree that the crowd sound is is really realistic i feel like i'm being manipulated with it they kind of throw in a few uh, almost like club songs as well. I oh, think I heard yeah. uh, Oh When the Spurs, which also could, I guess, have been Oh When the Reds because United sing the same song. Uh, but yeah, that that felt like they were manipulating me a little bit. I didn't like that. So I went for the no crowd sound for the majority of the game. Again, I've, yeah, the majority I've watched so far has been with the crowd sound off. Uh, but I, I do think it's good. I do think it's effective in, in that they're making it sound as close to actual football as possible. But yeah, that is um, concerning. Um, very odd to see the balls being disinfected and the corner flags being sprayed. Um, kind of hammers home exactly what's still going on. Have you have you changed the way you're feeling about this whole thing at all, Nathan? Not really, no, no. Other than like you know, it's been going on a few days now, and like nothing has like exploded or whatever. Um, I guess we'll know more when the next round of testing. But it'll, happens. yeah, you know, it will it will be a while before we we learn what the effects are. But it, it's it's like I have not left. Okay, I have a garden, but I've not left my house and or garden um, for like two months. And then like I turn on the TV and it's like, okay, yeah, they're like disinfecting the ball, which is weird but then there's just like 30 guys in a tunnel none of them wearing masks talking into each other's faces mm-hmm. um and it makes you think you know is this essential is that what essential means yeah so i don't know i i, I don't want us to like we don't have to my assume this is how i feel until i say otherwise i don't i don't like it it's it's worth just talking about the, the football and, and and don't think that like i can't um you know just see the football for what it is and and but you know it does hamper the experience somewhat partly because of like the the pre-season pace to the game and everything um but it, it's weird man it's weird sure yeah yeah and i think you and i probably see things slightly differently to the majority of the population because we both know people who are shielding um and, and so that kind of hammers it home a lot more um so i i drove down to my parents in somerset mm. this weekend and as i was driving i noticed that there are an awful lot of people out basically acting as if it's business as usual and not really adhering to any kind of distancing measures but um i guess i shouldn't be fully surprised by that given how the messaging's kind of changed over the last week week to two weeks so i mean it's been a mess yeah, from the off like and i i don't blame individual i mean individuals are always gonna like flaunt things but um i it, like 
the message that the government want us to create is a bunch of individual selfish people have ruined it for everyone, but that is not mm-hmm. the case mm-hmm. at all. It is a, it's a, a systemic failure um, in this country and several others that is that is going to kill hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, and, and football is a reminder of that. It is, that's, that's where I am. And so I find it quite difficult watching it still. But at the same time, I really did enjoy, I really did enjoy watching Spurs. I'm sure. happy to say that. And I don't think, I don't for a second think it is even vaguely hypocritical to say we shouldn't be doing this and also enjoy what you do get out of it. Uh, so we had a bunch of questions sent in from people on Reddit. Thank you very much for those. Uh, we had planned to record this podcast with Bardi, but um, our schedules didn't align. But what we'll do is save all those questions for our next podcast, which will hopefully be after the West Ham game. And I'll put those questions to both Nathan and Bardi. Um, so thank you. Thank you for all your questions. And we'll catch up with you soon. Peace and love. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really